Hello, and welcome to Come Towards Delight, the podcast. I'm your host, Mike Gregson. My mission is to find everyday people who are delightful. The people I interview have attractive energy and a positive outlook on life. And I want to give them a platform to share their stories so that others can have hope in the midst of their struggles and see delight in a world that at times can seem gloomy. I will uncover the life experiences of the guests that I interview, which have enabled them to look at life in such an inspiring and delightful way, with the belief that to understand the light, one has to be acquainted with the dark. My guests will share their personal experiences on finding their way through dark and hopeless times and give us a glimpse into the powerful gifts they received in their darkest hours to rise up, take up hope, and view life through new, hope-filled eyes. Is it possible that in our darkest hours, we are given a gift to find the light which leads to our greatest delights? Hello, and welcome to today's show on Come Towards Delight. I am your host, Mike Gregson, and I'm really excited about today's show. I say that every time, but I, I'm really excited about today's show. I, um, this, is a, this is a really fun one for me because I get to reconnect with one of my personal heroes. Um, in fact, we've, we've got another uh, hero as well with us today, but Josh Edlow is my guest, and he and I go back to missionary days in good old Indiana, and... Um, I look up to Josh, not because he's 6'7 and much bigger than I am. I still think I could take in an arm wrestling competition. <laughs> Possibly. But, yeah, I don't know. But, but um, your heart is as good, man, as good as they come. And, and I remember in the mission days um, working with you a couple times. We didn't serve together, but we were able to work together a couple times. And, of course, we crossed paths a lot. And I always felt uplifted and inspired by you. And um, just the, the love that I have for you is, is, you know, is, is a love and a brotherhood that will never go. And so haven't seen you for a while. Yeah. It's been a long time. And this is exciting. Yeah. And, and when we started reaching out and connecting and, and you told me a little bit about your story, um, obviously needed to get you on my podcast and have you share your story with us. Cause I mean, when you do what's right in your life and, and you go on a mission, you know, for us that belong to the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, that's kind of a highlight for us. Mm-hmm. And almost when you go and you serve faithfully, you kind of have this idea when you're young that once you're done, if you've worked hard and you've given everything you've got to the Lord, he's just going to make the path of, for you the rest of your life gold. It's going to be, you're walking on gold the rest of your life. Like you've, you've served, you've served the Lord, you're doing what's right. What could go wrong, right? Yeah. And, and it's not that way. And, and we still have a lot to learn. We still have so much to do. And I know who you were there phenomenal and you did so much good to bless so many lives and I'm excited to learn you know kind of the path and the journey that you've had since and some of the tools and the lessons that you've learned that really you know help you to 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 come together today um as a a father of kids and things like that real quick one of the I do want to make a couple um just notes on Josh Josh is doing some amazing things he's an attorney so he's a personal injury attorney out in Sacramento um he's on the board of directors for children's receiving um the Children's Receiving Home of Sacramento. Thank you. Home. Yeah. I, was, I was like, what did I write there? My hand was getting <laughs> poor. And, which is pretty phenomenal because you're dealing with kids that have gone through traumatic events in their own home yeah. that have to be removed from their own home, right? Right. So the, this is the, the shelter, the first line of defense for, for kids who, um, who have been taken out of their homes due to traumatic events in emergency CPS style situations. That's so, awesome. Yeah. And how, can I, mind if I ask, how long have you been doing that? Oh, uh, 
I think I've been doing it for probably three or four years. Good now. for you. Yeah. What a, I mean, not much better things you can do with your time than that. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also, um, with our good friend, Tim, that is here as well. Uh, Josh also does a YouTube channel, which is fun. It's called saints on cinema yeah. where they give reviews on like the good movies that are up and coming and coming out. And right. I really liked Bill and Ted too. That was my favorite. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you said you've got Rocky coming up. Yeah. We got Rocky down the pipeline. It'll be, uh, we will be ranking the Rocky films yes. and, uh, and arguing about why Tim is wrong and why I am. Wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But no, it's, it's a lot of fun. These two yeah. have a, have great conversations together. That's once again, that's on YouTube and it's called saints on cinema. So go check it out. It's a lot of fun. And is clever lane going to be in that at all? Like yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about yeah. him. Yeah. We'll talk about him. Yeah. Um, so anyway, Josh, enough of my voice. What, tell us about yourself. Tell us about, you know, living in California and, and, and then we'll get into your story. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, served a mission as you, as you mentioned. And I also got to say, um, you were probably one of the more inspiring missionaries I ever dealt with. You were one of my favorites too. Um, you know, Mike always gives everybody else the credit, but man, he really changed when he got into uh, as an assistant. I think you were the assistant when the, when the president, or, or you right when President right, Quist, right, came, Quist in, came in, yeah, our second president, yeah. and so it really changed the focus of the mission, and I think it made it a lot more exciting. So, uh, really appreciate Thanks. you. I've looked up to you. Uh, it's been way too long since we've been able to to hang out. So, Amen to that. Um, yeah. So after the mission, I went back to Sacramento, and just like you said, I thought everything was gonna gonna be just peach keen. And I had a, I had an idea of the way things were going to go. I thought I was going to become a pro wrestler and I thought yes. I was going to, you know, uh, that's reality folks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's still doing it. still dabbling in that, but, it. but I thought that was kind of the path. And then, um, you know, I was quickly, quickly realized that that wasn't exactly the way it was going to go. Um, and the mission, it was not a, an end point. It was a starting point for me. And so, um, since then, you know, I, I worked, full time, put myself through school, um, started at a community college, went to a state college and then went to a local law school and came an attorney, uh, found my passion for personal injury. The thing I love about that is that, um, I get the same feeling I felt in the mission when I do my work. It's different. It's not spiritual per se. There's certainly a, an emotional aspect to it, but I get to help people who are in the worst states of their lives most of the time and help them, um, against a giant, uh, usually, you know, an insurance company that isn't really wanting to take care of them. Sure. And so it's, uh, it's been a, a rewarding, um, experience and has been able to uh, put my family in a great position. So I've really enjoyed that. So it's what, what's awesome about that is you're once again, dealing with broken things, right? Yeah. Uh, a mission you're kind of dealing with broken spirits sometimes mm-hmm. we all have them. And then you're, you go and you become a personal injury lawyer. You're dealing with broken, you know, f- sometimes broken physical bodies and broken lives. Right. Yeah. And, and can I just ask you this though? Did you ever, um, represent someone that you in the ring broke yourself? <laughs> <laughs> nope. Nope. They assumed that risk. So. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm signing yeah. a waiver before, right? Yep, exactly. Yeah. yeah, no, but, um, but yeah, so that's, uh, that's where I've been and I've, I've stayed in the Sacramento area my whole life. It's home. My family's there. My my parents are still there. Um, most of my siblings are there, so it gives my my kids an opportunity to be around extended family. We Fun. really like it there, so it's uh, it's great. We're an hour from the mountains. We're an awesome. hour from the ocean, so yeah. it's great. 
Yeah. Best of all the worlds, right? Yeah. Awesome. So tell me now, tell me about um, your family a little bit. So how mm-hmm. many, how many siblings in your family? And then tell me about current family now. Yeah. Yeah. So I, um, uh, I am the oldest of four. Cool. So um, we're spread out. I have a brother who's five years younger than me. And I have two sisters, uh, one that's 10 years younger than me and one that actually came after I returned from my mission. My mom came and picked me up while she was pregnant. So that was a bit of a surprise. Oh, how cool. Yeah. So, so that's my extended family. Um, we are the only members of the church, like active members of the church of all of our extended family. My dad grew up Jewish. Um, my mom, her family goes all the way up to the times of Joseph Smith in the, in the church. Yeah. Um, on her dad's side, but her mom's side is all Catholic. So we got a wide range of religious, you know, religious discussion going That's on. That's awesome. And so did you guys of, ever light the menorah? We did. Yes. Yeah. We, we saw when I was a kid, I remember we celebrated Passover. Yeah. We celebrated Hanukkah, cri- yeah. Christmas. My dad, um, joined the church when I was four. We were sealed as a family when I was 13 and he converted when I was 19. <laughs> yeah, that is awesome. I, you yeah. know, I, I just got to say, I, I, uh, two interviews before yours, um, Mark Pepper, my old mm-hmm. neighbor in, in Murray, one of the most special experiences my wife and I had with our kids. Um, he's Jewish and, and, um, he invited us over to come and be there when they lit the menorah. And I, I just have to say, you know, it's, there's so much beauty in, in, all the different diversified religions and, and, um, ethnic backgrounds, whatever it is, you know, there is so much beauty. And when we recognize that and we're able to like connect with that, it makes our lives so much better. And and that's fun for you to grow up in an environment where you're already starting to have these different conversations and looking at things, you know, out of different lenses in your life. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it really, I feel gave me a, a rounded view of the gospel and of people in general. Um, it also helped me gain a respect for people who are not of our faith Sure, that I think that a lot of members of the church and of no, you know, no fault of their own, just don't get that same exposure. So, um, like I remember going on my mission and, and having companions or people around me who never, you know, met somebody who was of another faith or, you know, just didn't hang out with anybody, you know, didn't, hadn't seen, I remember one guy who had never seen a black person before. Um, and we were in the middle of Indianapolis where, there were a lot of black people, you know, <laughs> Did you and put so, your hand in front of his face. Like, can you see my hand? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so he just, uh, you know, it's, it's, so I think it gave me a, a respect for diversity. That's a little bit different that you don't normally see in the church, but it also, it's actually funny. Part of what we were going to talk about today is even before the, the incident we we're going to talk about is that, um, it also made me sometimes feel like I didn't quite fit in. Sure. You know? Yeah. I mean, um, I, I have a friend of mine who is kind of of a similar feeling who he, he, he called us Mormon misfits. And what he means by that is that we were active members of the church, but we don't do, we, we aren't, I mean, he's got a big Mohawk, yeah. you know, yeah. I mean, um, I tell people I, I prefer Metallica to Motab, <laughs> you know what I mean? And, uh, you know, I'm into fight sports and, you know, I don't necessarily mind crude humor yeah. all the time, yeah. you know, and, and it's a little, you know, I'm a little more rough around the edges. But when you go to church and you see everybody and a lot of people look the same and they look happy and they put on the, the front you see at church, they put on their Sunday best. You look around and you go, wow, like how are all these people so perfect? Seems very cookie cutter, doesn't right. it? Right. Yeah. And I'm not. And so like a lot of the times you'll hear members tell stories about like, oh, I walked into a store and they said, hey, are you a member of the, of the LDS faith? 
and say, yeah. And they go, I just knew it. I just felt it. I don't, I don't get that. I've never gotten that. You know what I mean? And so I've always had, a, are you I, the guy I saw in that wrestling match? Yeah, exactly. That's me. That's right. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. Bone I mean, I've, yeah, I've always had, a, I've always had facial hair and, and just, you know, uh, so it's just a, it's just a different vibe. And so that's, that's been, um, kind of cuts both ways. Like I feel like I connect with people, uh, a little bit differently, which may even make them feel a little more welcoming. Sure. Um, I have had some people say that, you know, wow, like you're, I've met members of your faith and you're, you've, you've seemed a little more down to earth or a little bit more, um, welcoming yeah. of me. You know, my son, uh, one of my, I think it was my daughter's baptism. I think we had more non-members there than we had members. How you awesome know? is that? And so, um, so, you know, it, it cuts both ways. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, I feel like it's that of the world, not in, you know, not in the world, but not of the world. Right. 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 So, um, yeah, it's just been I, an interesting life. I love that. Yeah. And, and I know we're not into your story yet, but, and we're going to talk about some of these things, but I, I just, I kind of want to point out, like, I think it's really cool that just because you believe in something or you choose a certain career or whatever path you set yourself out on, it doesn't mean that we have to put ourselves in these silos and mm -hmm. separate ourselves from everybody else that's not doing similar things or not believing the similar things, whatever. I don't know where that idea comes from. And, and, and maybe that's just a false idea that we're fed in, in, in our own minds. And obviously we believe in light and dark and that there's an adversary and a, and a savior. And maybe that's an, an idea that comes from the, the adversary. I, I don't know, but we tend to do that to each other. And, yeah. and we, we tend to put ourselves in these boxes or these silos and, and, that's not healthy for us. So I have a, a quick experience I'll share. I, I, uh, I went back to Indiana about a year ago nice. and I, I spent a weekend with a, with a buddy of mine who actually knew it was weird. He, he lived in Sacramento and moved to Indiana and then I got called to Indiana and then he ended up being in my first area. Oh, no Indiana. kidding. Yeah. How so, cool. so we reconnected and, and so I went out there and spent some time with him and we went to a Cubs game. Um, and on the drive from Indianapolis to Chicago, he shared with me he lives in Carmel, right down the street from the mission home. Sure. And um, I was like, how cool is it that you're like three minutes from the temple? Yeah. And he told me, uh, he said, uh, actually, I, I don't go. And uh, I go, what? And so we had a three-hour conversation, and he explained to me all of the reasons why he stopped going to sure. church. And I, w I think I fell into the same church culture feeling that a lot of people feel. And that is that sometimes when someone leaves the church, there's an assumption that they're leaving the church because there's some rule they can't follow. Sure. They've done something wrong. That, yeah. They're not doing it right. Yeah. And when we get into my story, we're going to talk about how that kind of affected me. I but but I, I feel like I had that feeling. You know, when he started telling me, I'm like, okay, what are you doing? You know? And... Um, and after talking to him and hearing the process, it was a big struggle for him, his decision. He obviously had a, a faith crisis. He made a choice. Um, and the thing that hit me the most was he said, the big, the thing I missed the most is the camaraderie. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? Why can't you just call your buddies from the church and just, I mean, just because you don't go doesn't mean you can't hang out. And he goes, as soon as I stopped going to church, it all stopped. the calls stopped. <sighs> yeah. And so, and the, and I go, I just can't, I was like, that must be an Indiana thing, you know, no way. And so anyway, we had a mutual friend and I got home and I called him and I said, Hey man, he's having a rough time, you know? And my, my mutual friend, um, shared, he just said, you know, he shared some of the same feelings that I felt. Well, sure. there's something that he's doing. And I go, no, there's not, I promise you it's not that. 
Yeah. You know, he, he really, he, you can tell he's really thought about this, you know, but it realized I go, man, you know, what is this culture where we think, because why is it that you seem, I mean, you saw it as a missionary. Hey, introduce me to your friends. All my friends go to church. Yeah. Well, why is that? Yep. I mean, um, I know that it means we have a lot in common, but we have, com- I have commonalities with a lot of different people. So many. We're all so much more alike than we are different. Yeah. Yeah. I have a friend mm-hmm. in wrestling. Uh, we don't talk a lot anymore because he's, she is busy. I'm busy, but it is a, a Muslim transgender woman who runs a wrestling show and one of my favorite, most interesting people in the world. That's awesome. And, uh, you know, I, uh, we don't agree on a lot of different stuff, but you know what? Respect her and just love her. Yeah. She's great. Yeah. You know? And so, you know, uh, we can still have these friends. Oh, we yeah. should. We We're should. Supposed to. We should. You know, yeah. that's 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 a very good insight, and mm-hmm. and I'm glad that you're bringing this up this early before you get into your story, because I know you're going to go into this a little bit deeper. Mm-hmm. But I think it's very important to talk about that as a preface before you really start getting into your story and some of the things that you experienced. Yeah. So start us off. Where do you where do you want to start? Do you want to start back in? kindergarten you know, <laughs> no, I, no. I think of the movie goonies where they've got chunk you know yeah. like, because the blender is like back in the second grade so yeah. so where do you want to start yeah so well i'll start a little bit before the incident that we came to talk about it. and at the time you know I, I i as soon as i got back from my mission as i said like um you know i love my parents and they're great but it was you know they've they had my dad worked three jobs to try to keep us afloat you know there wasn't a lot of uh, safety net there sure. as far as getting to school so i knew Possibly. as soon as soon as I got back, I go, okay, like it's on me, you know? And so I got a job, worked full time, started going through school. And I did that for about nine years. Oldest in the family, trailblazer, just trying to like, yeah, I got you. Right. And so I was the first in my family to, to get a college degree. And then, um, and then the first, uh, well, I have an uncle that's a, that was a former attorney, but I, in my family, the first one to go into law school. So, um, uh, so as soon as I got done with law school, I, got a job, um, working at, at my firm. I was clerking throughout law school there and I started working. It was 60, 70 hours a week, Whoa. you know? Yeah. And, uh, and so, and I, I started gaining, um, you know, I started gaining, uh, success pretty quickly. Um, you know, my second year I got a, gotten a trial with my boss. We ended up with a $3.2 million verdict. And then, third year we had another verdict that was you know uh, six figures then another seven figure verdict i mean it just started big wins yeah just big wins and uh you know helping people yeah it started getting nominated for awards you know things like that and uh and so i was amazed how quickly things were going and i was just grinding i mean constantly i had the receiving home i was doing i was coaching my son's basketball team i was uh, you know, working those hours, uh, magnifying church callings. You know, I was an elders quorum president and an executive secretary. So I was busy yeah. you know, all the time. Yeah. Doing the right things too. Right. Just being constantly engaged in a good work. Yeah. That's what I thought. Right. Yeah. And I, and I felt fulfilled. That's how I fulfilled myself. That's sure. how I identified. Sure. Sure. I identified as a, you know, as, as an attorney and as an, as a member of the church. Yep. Um, and then in August of 2018, I was on my way to work early morning traffic stop start goes to a stop and then i hear screeching tires bam hit from behind pushed into the car in front of me um the back of my head hit the headrest and then the left side of my head hit the the frame of the window and the next thing i know i'm on the side of the road so you blacked out yeah well i don't know if i blacked out or i just don't have any memory i have a lapse of memory yep yep and so um the person who hit me is knocking on the window you know 
And so I go to the ER and I'm diagnosed with a concussion. And, um, you know, I, with wrestling, played high school basketball, general ruffian. You You've know, had your share I've of I've had my share yes. of, of head trauma. Yeah. You know, um, I'd been diagnosed with one concussion previously. And then I'd had, you know, back in the 90s, they weren't, you know, it wasn't as prevalent. It was, but, it was get up, shake it off. You're exactly. fine. I see green and red lights. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. What, you. What's your name? You know, your, your first name is fine. C3? Just go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so that's this type of stuff that, that, uh, you know, so I had just assumed I'd had some experience before, you know, the one, one concussion prior to that, I was out for like a week, yeah. you know, and then I was fine. So I just figured it was gonna be kind of like that. Sure. And then the, uh, a couple days later, um, I, I couldn't speak. I couldn't speak. Mm. I mean, I could speak, but I couldn't process. Right. If that makes sense. Yep. Makes sense. And, and for people who don't know with concussions, the people who get concussions, they're not, not, they're not stupid. Yeah. It's just, there's something in their brain and their executive functioning that causes a problem that they can't articulate. And there are other things that happen. So I started noticing blurred vision mm. and constant headache. Uh, if I looked at the TV for too long, loud noises. And as you know, I got four kids at home. So there are lots of loud noises. Ooh, yeah. And so the second day um, I called my doctor and it was a phone appointment and I was trying to tell him what I was feeling and I couldn't get the words out. No kidding. Yeah. So in the brain it's there, but mm -hmm. you're not able to say them that. So I've had a brain injury and that happened to me when I would read. Yeah. I'd take them, I'd read the words into my mind. No problem. I'd understand mm -hmm. them, but then I couldn't say them. Yeah. And so that is when I knew, okay, this is not, a problem. this is not normal. Yeah. Right? I need to get in. Yeah. And so I got into the doctor and he's like, okay, we're going to put you off for a few weeks, two weeks, turn into four and six and eight no and 10. And yeah. you're still going in and getting checked up as you're, yeah. Okay. So I'm going in once a week. They started putting me in with a, a speech therapist, which is not for speech necessarily. It's just somebody who helps with, yep. with brain injuries. It got me in with a neurologist. I started, you know, doing all those things and, and, you know, I'm, and just so you know, I'm, this is the first time I'm sharing this publicly. So it's kind of scary because, you know, at the same time, my career is thinking, reading, speaking, right? That's all I do. Right. I so read, I write, I go to trial and I argue motions in court. I have to be quick on my feet. Sharp. Right. And so and your brain's not acting very and sharp. It's not scary. Right. And so, um, and mm -hmm. my boss, you know, who it was the absolute, there's no way I could never have expected them to be as charitable as they were. Sure. Um, understood. But he says, you know, Hey, you know, you got clients. I, I'm the managing partner of this firm. I got to protect them. Yep. So yep. my cases, other attorneys start coming on my cases for me. And, uh, and so by 10 weeks, I'm basically telling the doctor, I don't care what you got to do. Get me in. Uh, I don't care how long I have to, you know, I can't stay away from work. I got to yeah. get back. You're feeling the pressure everywhere. Yeah. And uh, it's not pressure from anyone else. It's yeah, me. Yeah. You know, yeah. because you got to live up to these expectations you yeah, set for yourself. Yeah. Like I said, I mean, I, I grind, this is how I identify, yep, yep. you know, this is who I am. It's your livelihood. Your right. Kid, you've got your kids, your family. And right. yeah. I mean, and, and imagine, you know, I've been running a uh, hundred miles an hour for over a decade. And gone to zero. What do you, you know, I, I couldn't, I couldn't oh. just sit at home, oh. you know, I, it's just not who I am. With it, with, did you really start to feel feelings of like worthlessness and like, gosh, you yeah. Know? yeah. Well, like I said, I mean, this is how I identify. Yeah. So, you know, and everybody is just trying so hard to help take a break. Cause when you have a brain injury, 
really, I mean, the doctors understand you can't do this. Yeah. If you would just be able to sit in a dark room 24 hours a day until it heals, that would be the best thing. But who can, no one can do that. No. You know, I did the best I could, but you know, you, you just can't. So yeah. finally at 10 weeks, they're like, all right, go back four hours a day, two days a week. And that's it. You can't don't grind. Four hours a day, two days a week to work. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. After so. a 70 hour work pattern that you've already established for yourself, you're going back four right. hours, two days. But I was just grateful to get anything. For sure. So I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. Yeah. And, then, and the idea was you'll work back up. Yeah. Right. And they're like, now if you start feeling symptoms, you got to leave. Like you can't stay, you know? And, and the other thing that's really interesting about this is that, you know, people, people deal with stress differently. People deal with problems differently. Anytime I ever had a problem, uh, my, before this, my mentality was nobody cares. Just work harder. Just fight you know? through it. Just fight through it. Get you up, gotta, walk it off. It'll yeah, go away. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, that's what you learn in, in yep. high school sports. It's just, that's just the way it is. You just grind it out, yep. you know? And so you see a brick wall, you run right through it, you know? And so, um, you can't do that with a brain injury. You know, if you, if, if you push too hard, you're going to set yourself uh, back. Yeah. And so I, at times I was, I'd have days where I was like, I feel great. This is great. I feel like myself. So you go a little harder, so I go a little harder and then set myself back a couple of days, uh, you know? And meanwhile, like I said, I mean, no, nothing's happening in my cases because I have other attorneys who are great, who are helping. Sure. Everything is still moving, but I'm not moving. Yeah. And so a lot of um, fear surrounds you in that moment, right? I right. Mean, there's a lot of insecurity that you're feeling. Yeah. Because this is also my livelihood yeah. and part of my compensation is based on performance. And, and also your confidence as a man, and, I, and I'm sure female as well, but as mm -hmm. a man with your work and your livelihood, when you're trying to take care of a family, a lot of your self-esteem and confidence comes from that as well. So, so the, the other thing, like I said, that the success came very quickly and I had, I had done very well for myself. And, um, we had, I had just bought, you know, big house, um, you know, all of these different things. And so, yeah, that was all in my mind. Yeah. I was just, I, because part of my compensation is based on performance. And now I have other attorneys on the cases with me. They're going to expect to get a piece of the, you know, piece of course, of course. And it's just a fun there again. They, I can't, I cannot stress enough how grateful I am for I mean, some of my best friends now because yeah. of the way that they, they helped treated you. me. They helped, helped you. me. Yeah. People you rally know? around you. But internally, yourself, that's a, I mean, those are hard, hard things. Right, right. So, so as this is going on also, I'm having a lot of emotional issues that I've never had before. Oh, you, know? you haven't recognized them, but I knew them a long time. Yeah, right. <laughs> I was, I was, I had emotional problems <laughs> for sure. You cry, you big <laughs> yeah. No, but the, the, these are different though. I mean, it's not feeling the spirit and crying. It was, it was a situation of, um, waking up in the middle of the night and being anxious for no reason. Sure. You know, um, uh, I, I often describe, uh, I don't know if, how you would describe it, a, a, a level of aggression, I guess. And, and the way I describe it is, is you ever have a feeling where, you know, you get cut off in traffic, almost get in a car accident and you just kind of amped. Yep. I would feel that out yep. of nowhere. I remember one time driving and feeling that for no reason, just nothing just comes up. And then I go, man, if something happens, we're going to blows. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's yeah. just, it's just one of those the feelings. brain injuries. They there. It's amazing what we don't know about the brain still today. And we know so much more than we did five years ago. Yeah. Right? It's, right. A, it's a crazy right. thing. And so, so yeah. all of this is going on. Um, and, and there's personality changes, you know, I mean, um, things that I enjoy, or did enjoy, I no longer enjoy. One thing that was really interesting was hmm. um, in December, um, 
after the car accident, uh, you know, we used to have big, when I was a kid, big family Christmas, a big family Christmas party in between Thanksgiving and Christmas. Sure. And all the cousins would get together and all this stuff. And we hadn't done it for years, but I, it was a good memory of mine when I was a kid. So I decided, bought the big house, wanted to, wanted to do that. So we had, even before the car accident happened, I had scheduled it. We had put everything together. You know, we had a lot of help putting everything together. So we had the, we had the party and I'm sitting at the party and this would be a thing where I would really just feel the love felt nothing. No, oh, nothing. No kidding. In fact, and, and also I was all the stimulation. I was getting fatigued. I had to go to the bedroom a few times, just kind of relax for a few minutes, come back down. So you're, it, it affected your behavior quite a bit as well. And I know you said loud noises kind of was, was a thing for your brain injuries. Um, was, did you, were you feeling that at the party as well? Like where was it loud? You just couldn't be around people. And so yeah. it agitated you and you had to get, yeah. And, and I felt, I feel like generally I did a pretty decent job of trying to hide it. Sure. You know, because you don't want people. I didn't, yeah. I didn't want sympathy. Yeah. Um, didn't want to be weak. Right. Yep. But, but I, um, I, yeah, I mean, it was just the stimulation that it would be, it would get loud. We had a thing where the kids, you know, we, we bit all the little kids together and sing Christmas carols. Yeah, of course. And, you know, just couldn't handle it. Yeah. You know? Um, and so it was just, a, it was a rough time. And, uh, and that was the scariest thing feeling nothing. And, yeah. and in the middle of all of this, while this is all going on and I don't know, I, I don't, before this, I've never been depressed. Sure. You know, and so I've never had a me really mental health issues. And so uh, uh, of anything of consequence where I've had to see a therapist or anything like so, that. So, and I was just thinking in my mind, I was thinking if you've never really dealt with that before, as you're going through this now, people are obviously aware of your brain injuries, right? Yeah. That you've had so, somewhere. Yeah. But you're kind of a silent sufferer right now. Yeah. Because a lot of this stuff that you're going through and you're feeling and that is causing all of these emotions and these fears and anxieties. You wake up in the middle of the night with anxiety. Well, there's a reason that you're feeling those things and, but you're kind of silent suffering. You're not really talking about this thing, but are you? No. And, and that's the thing. I mean, even as an, so I had had some experience with brain injured clients prior sure. to this. And one of the things that is very hard to articulate to a jury is you have a brain injured client there who looks fine. Yeah. And if you didn't know him before, you'd have no idea there were changes. Yep. But there are, and the thing that's scary about a what would be I would be classified a concussion would be classified as a mild traumatic brain injury. Uh, you recognize the differences. You recognize you. I recognized that I I'd have to read things a few times before I get it. Yep. You know, I, gotcha. I, I recognized that someone would say something and I'd have to have them say it again. Um, but to you, you don't want to vocalize besides to your doctor. I'm right. sure. Sure. You don't want to vocalize this because if you do, that is, that's risk. That yeah. is a huge risk you're putting out and, there and that's scary. And it's a concern, right? Yeah. I mean, it's a concern for what I do as a, it's a concern everywhere. Cause I did also, I, I love all the things that I do. Sure. I don't want people taking them away. From yeah. Me. That's a good point. And, and everybody did. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the receiving home took a break. Yeah. You know what I mean? Can't work on my cases. Couldn't take depositions. Yep. You know what I mean? Wouldn't want me at a court appearance. Yep. You know, things like that. And these are things that I enjoy. You love. They bring you joy. Right. Yeah. And so, so now I don't have, oh. I don't have all these things that I enjoy. And, um, and so it was a real struggle as I'm going through all this. Um, that's scary, man. Yeah. And, and at the same time, so, so the thing that's hard about this and jump in and ask any questions you want, because I'm, I feel like I'm just rambling, but you're doing awesome. But, uh, the other thing that's a struggle with this is that you, when you're in that state, it's really hard to feel the spirit. 
you know, at least it was for me. And I was having a struggle already. And, um, we talked a little bit about this off air. Yeah. So, um, now stop. Yeah. Already meaning before the accident. Yeah. Okay. So I was having some struggles with, with, with something a little bit before this even. And the struggle was as a member of the church, your life is very checklisted. You have goals put in front of you to a very, at a very early age. Sure. By the, pretty much by the time you're 12, you know, if you're a young man in the church, you get the priesthood, they start talking to you about a mission, getting married in the temple, um, you know, going, uh, you know, pursuing educational goals, staying out of debt, magnifying your callings, having kids, you know, doing all of these things. And if you, and there's this idea that if you do all these things, your life is going to be bliss. You're going to have joy. Right. And, uh, and so, and then you endure to the end. Well, I was very surprised that all I got to all of those checklist things and I had, I was very blessed for it, uh, very early. I did not think I would have the success that I had as early as I had it. And I, and I looked around and I saw I had everything I'd ever wanted. I mean, anything. Uh, and, uh, I wasn't happy. And I was like, well, wait a minute. <laughs> this is not the promise. <laughs> <laughs> wait a minute. Where is this happiness that I was promised? I did all the things. I did all the checklist things. I do my ministering. Joe Blow in the elders quorum doesn't do his ministering. He looks really happy. How come I'm not happy? Right? How come I'm not feeling good yeah. about, about my situation? And so I was kind of already sort of feeling that and kind of searching for, well, maybe there was a different goal. Maybe there's something, you know, what, what is it that I'm, what is it that I'm missing? Did it know? make you, did it make you question your faith or did it make you bitter? Not at the time. Okay. Not at the time. Not before the car accident. Okay. Yeah. Before the car, it was just kind of like a guy. I recognized it. Yeah. I'm recognizing. I'm like, you know, this is not kind of the deal that I was sold. Right. And so, um, and so then the car accident happened and then all of this is going on. And, and so now, I mean, I don't have work to, to make me happy. I don't have anything. And I'm looking around and I'm going, you know, this is garbage. You're relying on your <laughs> yeah, faith a lot yeah, more. Yeah. And, and so, yeah. and the thing that, that is scary about that too, is then, um, I started noticing some things about culture that I yeah. didn't really appreciate. So, you know? so real quick, I, I think this is a really good thing to point out is not, not only now are you struggling with work and your extra time of working with nonprofits, your coaching. They're, they're, all these things are, are, you're limiting your time in those things that you love and that you're passionate about. The one thing that we don't really think we'll ever question is the faith yeah. that we have, right? That's yeah. kind of like our bedrock or our foundation. Sure. And all of a sudden for you, that also is starting to come into question because you're starting to see it differently and going, wait a second. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, your whole, yeah. Like all of a sudden you come to this, this point in your life where everything is kind of not crashing down on you, but it's like, whoa, wait a second. Yeah. And I started noticing one thing that I find really interesting and I think is a detriment to members of the church is that when somebody voices a concern, there's a natural reaction to just go into defense. Mode. Yeah. We get defensive. Yeah. And I noticed that with some of my closest friends. So I would talk to some confidants about this. I remember one time I talked to a guy and I, and he's one of my best friends in the world and, uh, love him. I talk to him all the time about stuff and he shares stuff too. And, and, 
I remember asking him, I'm like, I don't get it. And he goes, well, you're not promised happiness. You're promised joy. And I was like, wait, what is, what is that supposed to mean? Wait, wait a yeah, second. Yeah. And so I go, what is that even supposed to mean? And I'm like, you're just being, and so I'm like, are we just all being fed lines to say, you know what I mean? Like, do you really? Yeah. And so, but then it was like, oh, and then it was kind of a, well, you must be doing it wrong. Or there's something in your right life that you're doing right, wrong. Right. right? That's, that was kind of the insinuation, but there's something you're doing wrong. And I go, wait a minute. No, I have a temple recommend. I magnify my callings. I pay my tithing. I go to church. I do. I am I'm like, checking the boxes. I am checking all the boxes. And I'm not feeling it. And you know what? The, don't. And, and that's when I started getting really angry. Yeah. Because I'm like, wait a minute. I have done everything right. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. And, and I'm not feeling the happiness. So, so then when, you know, you're, do, and then at the same mm-hmm. time, I'm going to church and this is the, you know, I've had some great spiritual experiences, but I, I don't remember a time ever that I was going to church really praying and hoping to get really spiritual experiences. And I would go to church and I would not get them. Yeah. And, and you know, while you're sitting there physically at church, yeah, but, yeah. but not only that, but not, not even necessarily because of me, but because I, so we just heard in general conference, Neil L. Maxwell share a talk. Where Neil Anderson. Neil, I'm sorry, but Neil I, Anderson. I miss Maxwell. Yeah, I miss Maxwell too. <laughs> uh, so Neil Anderson shared a talk, uh, or gave a talk and, and shared a story that Dallin H. Oaks had said about how he had gone to a, a testimony meeting and he'd heard 17 testimonies and not one of them had mentioned Jesus, Jesus Christ. Christ. I was having that experience. Yeah. Or we'd have, you know, the new couple would come in and they would speak. And they would spend the entire time telling us their life story about how they met and how they went and not a word Christ. about Jesus or even about a doctrine, yeah. you know? And, um, and then I'd go to elders quorum and instead of hearing doctrine, I'd hear political discussions, you know, things like that, where I would be like, where is the God? Oh, where's the gospel? I'm coming here to get away from that. Yeah. Stuff. Yeah. And, um, and so, you know, and I would share that with people and they would say, well, maybe, you know, man, I felt. So, and I'm like, well, I don't know where you're, where you went, but I didn't see anything like that. Well, are you, you know? reading your scriptures every day, Josh? Right. right? Like right. you're getting those. Yeah. Yeah. The cookie cutter yeah. answers. Right. And, and so, so this is all happening at the same time. And so it's just a big cocktail of things are just spiraling, you know, for me. And, um, about, I want to say it was about six months in, it was right before my birthday. And I, and just so you know, Mike, I've, I've never shared this with anybody. Yeah. Okay. Well, you're doing awesome. At this, this part in particular, I went to the doctor. I can't remember who it was. I don't remember if it was a therapist or a doctor, but I went in there and I was like, look, give me anything. Yeah. I don't care if it's a shot, if it's a pill, if it's a surgery, whatever you got to do, fix it. Help because, my heart fill again. Yeah. It's like, I am, this is getting ridiculous. And he looked me in the eye and he said, um, you're probably, he's like, you probably don't want to hear this, but you may not be going back to being an attorney. And he's like, um, you may want to start thinking about what you're going to do next. Oh man. And just crushed me. And, um, man, that hurt like a lot. And so, uh, I remember going home and being like, well, what am I going to do now? What am I going to do that is going to be as fulfilling, that is going to be as well as well compensating? Where are my kids? How are my kids going to go to college? Right? Like, what am I going to do now? All of my plans. Right. I've just done a 180 right. on there. And, and, and also, you know, you're, you're it. You're the single income. Yeah. One wrong move. You know what I mean? We, uh, you know, I had been setting up, 
you know, I'd set up for contingencies and, and done all those things. I'd put some money away, but it sure. was not going to last the rest sure. of my life. Of course. And so I'm, I'm sitting there thinking all this and it, that is when I really, I started getting bitter and angry. Yeah. It was rough. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> that was the first time. So I think I told you this, I've told you this before. I, my whole life, I didn't, there's a lot of stuff in my, in my family background that is not very cookie cutter member of the church. Sure. A lot of it was really, it was a big struggle. Sure. We struggled a lot when I was in high school. Nobody really expected me to make it, you know, I mean, um, not that I was going to end up in jail, you but know, but not just like in faith, but like you're talking about career and like being success. So, so my mission when I went on my mission, my stake president's interview, my stake president told me he didn't think I was going to make it. And, uh, and that was like the, that actually was the best thing that happened to me. Cause when he said that, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to come back and be the best missionary you've ever seen. Good for you. You know what I mean? Good and for you. So, Cause that's not okay. Yeah. And so, um, but that was kind of the way it always was. I mean, when people heard I was going to go to school and work, Oh, you can't do that. I mean, you got to figure something out, take out student loans you know, get to law school and I'm working full time through law school. No way you're going to be able to do that. Buy a wrestling ring and start running wrestling shows. That's crazy. How can you possibly do that? If I listened to all those people, I would have never done any of that. Yeah. You know? And so yeah. this was the first time where I really, um, I guess like all those other times it was kind of like, well, yeah, sometimes people don't make it, but why couldn't I? Yeah. I got you know? this. Yep. Yeah. I got this. I We're can okay. do this. Yeah. This was the first time where I was like, really started to think like, maybe I won't. I'm not, this is, I'm not going to pull through this, ah. you know? And, um, so that was really, and that's when I started getting really bitter. So that was when, that was probably the height of it, mm. you know, where I was just really mad, really mad. And, um, did you take out in, in the middle of this anger, were you, were you pointing any of it towards God or were you kind of more so just getting frustrated with like the world and what's happening? And no, I, it was definitely towards God. Because I, I was looking at it and I was going like, I felt impressed to purchase the house that I, I mean, it was like going way back, right? Like, why did I make this decision? Because it catapulted into this decision. Like, why did I buy this house? If I hadn't bought this house, I wouldn't have been on that freeway. You know, yeah. I was happy in my last house. Yep. Why was I inspired to do this? And pointing it towards, towards God and, and, you know, other people in my life who could help me make decisions, being just really angry at everybody. It was just it was, it was a bad time. Yeah. And, um, in the meantime, in all this, I mean, you know, I, I was eating a lot and I had, I mean, this is way before the mission. I mean, or I mean, not way before the mission, way before the accident. I was, you know, when you're working full time and going to school full time, you don't have time to exercise really. And you're eating fast food every day. I'm a big Reese's eggs fan. So, you know, I filled the cracks of the heart with Reese's peanut butter and chocolate. Yeah. And, uh, and so, um, but that six months, I mean, I, I was sitting at home. Sure. So I was eating all the time. Sure. You know, and, uh, my weight had just blown up. I'm six foot seven. Um, when I came back from my mission, I was two, four, two thirty five. Yeah. Um, I weighed in at that doctor's appointment where he told me that I wasn't going to make it. Um, I weighed in at 354 pounds Wow. and, uh, heaviest, obviously I'd ever been. And then I went and got a blood draw <clears throat> and they couldn't find a vein in my arm mm. and they had to go through my hand. And, uh, and then I got a call a few days later and they're like, we think you might be pre-diabetic. Oh, you're kidding. And I was like, Oh my goodness. Everything's right? crashing. So down. everything's crashing. 
And my birthday came up in April. I was super bitter. And I remember, I don't know if it was on my birthday the night before, but right around then, I remember I, <clears throat> I said a prayer. Uh, I was laying in bed and I was just really angry and I said a prayer. And it wasn't like your normal, you know, the, the prayer that you're taught, yep. the, not the prayer pattern, right? Yep. Like, Father in heaven, I'm thankful for these things, bless these things. It was just me talking to God. It was your heart on your sleeve. Yeah, and it was, it was angry. It was like, why? Why? Like, why is this happening to me? I've done all the things you've asked, all of them, without question. And this is how I'm repaid, right? Like, this is what I get. It's not fair. You know what I mean? It's not fair. What, what possibly, what was the point of this? You know, and it even got to a point where I was like, are you even there? Are you even listening? Do you even care? You know, like what, why, what is all of this for? Makes no sense, you know? And, um, I did not get an answer that night, but I got an answer the next morning. I was, I was brushing my teeth. Well, let me back up that night. I didn't get an answer, but a, a, a scripture popped up, um, to mind. And it was in second Nephi two twenty six, And I'll just read the pertinent parts, but it says, and because that they are redeemed from the fall, speaking of the atonement, they have become free forever to act for themselves and not to be acted upon. And I was like, Hmm. And so the next morning, I'm staring myself in the mirror. And that was the first time in a long time. Excuse me, I don't mean to get emotional. <clears throat> like I said, I don't really talk about this. You're doing awesome. This was the first time that I had felt the spirit for a long time. And it felt kind of like a bear hug from behind. And then I heard a voice. And I don't know if it was... God or just myself talking to myself, but I'm sure it was inspired either way. And it, and it basically said, what are you doing? You know, you're Josh Edlow. You've never, you've never quit anything. You've never, you know, you never quit. And, um, every time you've had a trial, you've come out the other end doing better than you did when you walked in. So why not now just act? Right. So as I'm sitting there and I'm thinking of that, I'm going, okay, act. Well, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> right. Like what am I supposed to act on? And so I was thinking, I go, okay, well, everything's going out of control. What is it? What can I control? And the, for some reason, my weight came up. It was like, well, you can control what you put in your body. Right. And so I was like, okay, yeah, I'm 38 years old. Let's, let's set a goal to be in the best shape you've been in by 40. And let's just start like, just, just stop, just, you know, let's try to watch what you eat, right? And it wasn't a fad. Like I didn't start with like a keto or a, you know, Atkins or any of that stuff. It was just portion control, you know? And so I, I got a little app that tells you what you're, you put your weight and your height in and they tell you how many calories you can eat and if you want to lose a certain amount of weight. And then I was like, oh, well, if I do this, I'll lose a pound. If I do this, I'll lose like five, you know? <laughs> and so I just re really restricted my calories. And in four months, I had lost uh, 65 pounds. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And so I was down to about 288, I think is what it was. 
And then I kind of plateaued. And so um, I ended up going to a supplement place. And um, I just said, hey, well, you got something to help me get past this plateau. And this guy's name's Sean. He's over at this place called Total Nutrition in Granite Bay, California. And he's really just a nice guy. He goes, well, what are you trying to do? I said, well, I'm trying to lose weight. And he goes, no, you're not. You're trying to lose fat. And he goes, I bet you for every 10 pounds you've lost, you've lost probably four pounds of muscle mass. And he's like, why don't you get on this scale? And it is a scale that measures your body, you know, your body mass index and all that stuff. And he goes, okay, here's what we're going to do. Let's not worry about supplements. You don't need that. You need to eat more. And I was like, come again, you know, like <laughs> foreign, the, yeah. per, perfect. Yeah. Tell me what, you know? And so he goes, he writes down a plan. He's like, try to get this much protein, try to, you know, it was one pound, one gram of protein per pound of body weight. Right. And he's like, and then, and then fill in the rest of your calories. Here's how many carbs you should eat. Here's how many, how much fat and come every two weeks and weigh yourself and we'll incorporate, you know, here's some protein shakes, you know, do this, but we'll, we'll incorporate supplements as you, you know, as you need them. And, you know, I didn't start, so I, and he's like, you need to get into the gym. He's like, get into the gym. So um, I'd had a procedure on my lower back, um, an injection, because I also had a disc protrusion in my lower back from the car accident. And that made me feel a little bit better. So I go into the gym and, and it, and it wasn't much, you know, I was 10 minutes on an elliptical and 30 pounds, uh, 30 pound dumbbells on a flat bench for like three sets and that was it couldn't do much more than that but i saw an improvement my body fat went down my muscle mass went up and i was like okay now let's incorporate a little bit more let's incorporate a little bit more and as i started doing that i'm like okay i've got control of this so what else can i control and it was little things like i could control how much i smile i can control what i wear i need to get new clothes i've lost all this weight right so I can, uh, I can control if I stand up straight, I can control whether I respond positively or negatively to what happens, right? I can control my interactions with other people. And as I started incorporating these little things over time, I started gaining more confidence. And also there's a big link between physical health and mental health. I started feeling my mental health going, uh, going better. You know, I started, the headache started to you know, about a year after my car accident, I started noticing that the headaches were starting to dissipate. Um, I was starting to be a little more mentally clear. I was starting to do all these other things. Um, and so I went from 354 pounds to 227 pounds. And then someone called me skinny and I'm like, I don't like that. So, (laughs) So we flipped the switch and, um, Sean was like, okay, now it's time to bulk, right? Now it's time to focus on muscle maths. And so now I'm eating more and, um, and so now I'm up to about 257 pounds, you know, at 227, I was about 14% body fat. When you bulk, you're just naturally going to gain some fat back. It's all part of the process. So I'm enjoying that, you know, and, <laughs> and now I'm, a, I'm 257 at about 17% body fat. The goal ultimately that I've set is 265 at 12 and that's what I want to do. And so that's what I'm doing there. But the, the point of all of that is that this is just something very that started out very small that the momentum carried into something really great is that now I'm in I'm I'm not 40 yet in case anybody's wondering <laughs> I'm not 40 yet and I am in the best shape I've ever been in I love it and um so uh so that was the physical part yeah yeah so that's a, what a what a great story and 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 I've got some questions around that and I want to come back to that because I love that you talked about mental health and physical body 
and how that it kind of interplays. It's all woven together and physical body. Sometimes we forget that when we're struggling, struggling with things mentally and even spiritually, that we leave our physical body kind of out of that thought process, but it's yeah. such an important role, yeah. right? Well, God gave us these bodies, yeah. right? So, you know, we're, and we're supposed to treat them like a temple, yeah. right? The word of wisdom doesn't just talk about all the don'ts. It's the stuff you should put into them. Yeah. And Hey, that's not to say, I just so everybody's clear. I am not a clean eater necessarily. <laughs> I mean, I still eat Reese's eggs at times. 80% you know? of your Facebook posts are yeah. that Reese's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I still eat that stuff on Sunday. I, I, I've started a tradition with my kids where anybody on Sunday morning who wakes up and makes breakfast with me doesn't have to do the dishes. Yeah. And the breakfasts have gotten incredibly, <laughs> incredibly huge. And, yeah. and I eat it all. That's you know? awesome. But you just have to compensate later, sure, right? And sure. so you either have to work harder in the gym or you have to restrict somewhere else. Sure. And, and that's how it works. And and uh, I can have, you know, any body I want as long as I'm willing to put in the work. Love it. And, um, but one thing that's interesting about that is I, in the course of this process, I'm still dealing with the stuff. I'm still dealing with sure. a speech therapist, a neurologist. And one thing a speech therapist told me was really interesting. She said, there's studies have shown in traumatic brain injuries that people who believe they're going to get better often do right and so there is a power and positivity that i don't necessarily think i ever really bought into um, i was always the type of person for a long time that always kind of something bad happened i responded negatively to yeah anybody who's been in a deposition with me could tell you that's still the case at times yeah so but at the same time also um you know, when you, when you respond positively, it's interesting to see how people respond to you. You know, people, people used to be scared of me, you know, now they're not. And it's a, uh, it's, it's a better way. I have found it's a better way of living. I'm much happier. You're delightful. Oh, I'm trying. There's, (laughs) there's a, and so I remember this documentary came out not too long ago called the secret. You've probably heard of it, right? Uh, It's on, it's on Netflix for a while. And it was like this new thing, like, oh, the secret. It's uh-huh. the secret, like, of creating the destiny you want by imagining it and thinking about it. I believe that with all my heart. Yeah. I call it faith. Yeah. I call it faith. I call it belief. Yeah. And when we live with faith and belief, light surrounds us. It's in our lives. Yeah. And, and things happen. That's what's so interesting about that was that it, as these, as I started realizing I could take control of these things, I started finally realizing... I'm going to get past this. Yeah. It's going to be okay. You know? Yeah. Um, and in the meantime, while all that's going on, you know, I'm still having this faith struggle. You know, I'm still dealing with that. Sure. Even though I had that spiritual experience. And uh, the faith, I think that's interesting because the faith struggle, yes, you got angry at God and we'll come back to that, but it's not that you didn't not believe you was there. I think your faith struggle was more like kind of the culture and just what was happening around you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's exactly right. I never questioned doctrine. Yeah. I never, I mean the fact that I was even praying, I knew God was there. Right. 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 I mean, but, um, yeah, it was the cultural issues and that, that was something that I think, you know, I, I still struggle with afterwards. Sure. There were a couple of other experiences I had that kind of helped me get past that. Um, one was, uh, I went to a movie theater and, um, uh, I went with my son and we were in the concession stand and I had made a decision before my mission to not drink caffeinated soft drinks. And, um, so I go to the, I go to the concession stand and I say, Hey, what do you have that doesn't have sugar and doesn't have caffeine? And he's like water. That's, that's about it. And he's like, I have a Coke zero, but it's, 
you know, it's got caffeine in it. I was like, man, that really stings. Cause I kind of want, you know, I kind of want a soda tonight. And, uh, and something popped in my head and said, you know, that's not the rule. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's like, huh? So I didn't get the drink, but I just, I just walked away. And then, and then I walked by, um, a poster for the movie, the Joker. Yeah. And my son and I both share, we both love the Joker. It's one of our favorite vil- comic book villains. Sure. We heard the movie was coming out and it was an R rated movie. And so my son goes, man, that stinks. It's R rated. We're not gonna be able to go and see it. And I was like, I know that really does stink. And, and uh, that same voice kind of like, you know, you're really focusing on the wrong things. And I was like, huh, that's interesting. You know, just didn't pay any attention. Went so I don't even remember what we were going to see, but we went and saw some some movie and then came back. And um, and then I was called and asked to give a talk, like impromptu. Uh, they called me like a few days before, and they're like, "The guy who was supposed to do it wasn't going to make it." Yeah. So, whatever you want to do it on, you go ahead and do it on. And so I started kind of reading. Uh, I pulled I pulled out my scriptures. I started reading. And in my scriptures, uh, I started really reading. Instead of on the Book of Mormon, I started reading the Gospels. Yes. And as I'm reading the Gospels, I notice that the Savior spent most of his time not criticizing sinners, but criticizing the leaders of his faith, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And I was like, man, that's really interesting. Most of the, the stuff you hear, he's without sin, cast the first stone, and do unto others as you have them do unto you and all of those different things that you hear, they came from questions from the Sa- the Pharisees and Sadducees trying to, tr- you know, tr- uh, trick him. Yeah. Right. And I was like, that is really interesting. And so I said, you know what I'm going to do? Um, I'm going to give a talk on the atonement. And, um, and so I prepared, I spent all night preparing for it and I went out and gave it and it was the, the most powerful talk I've ever given just focusing on the, the atonement. And what I mean by that is going through the steps and actually just if you think about what happened, almost like a Bruce R. McConkie did in his last talk, The Purifying Power of Gethsemane, I use that kind of as a springboard. Sure. And to really go through the atonement and understand what he did and what that means. Um, and then knowing that even Joseph Smith said, everything we teach is only an appendage to the atonement of Jesus Christ. And then I remembered a story we heard Jeffrey R. Holland say on our missions about um, going to a zone conference and asking what they want people to do as a result of the teaching. And then everyone said, be baptized, and then started going through all the checklist stuff from the discussions. And he said, no, we want them to have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and repent of their sins. And after that talk, I realized, I was like, oh my goodness, I'm a Pharisee. <laughs> I've been so focused on the checklist, I missed the point completely. The point is reach out to people like be a good person, you know, do yes. You, you want to do these things. I still avoid R rated movies. You know what I mean? Um, you know, but just because somebody else does that doesn't mean that I shouldn't hang out with them. Totally. Right. I mean, um, in fact, you could probably, I mean, it might not be the greatest idea, but you could watch the Joker every day for the rest of your life and still answer every question on the temple recommend interview correctly and have a temple recommend, which means you are recommended by your Bishop to God. We learned that in conference, right? So we spend part of our culture and I was a part of it. I mean, this is me talking, I, you know, I'm not criticizing anyone, but myself here. Okay. You, you could 
not follow some of these guidelines and still be a good person recommended to God. You can have more than one earring in your ear and it's okay. You can be tattooed from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet and still go to the temple. But somehow, sometimes for some reason, if somebody doesn't look the same way or do the same things, we kind of, I don't want my kid hanging out with that person. Right. You know, and that, that is a, that is a, uh, a travesty. The savior never did that. And I wonder if the, if the savior would hang out with us or would hang out with some of these people that kind of get marginalized by us. Right. Yeah. And so, um, it's, it switched what I focused on. So now I focus on every single day. I make a point to go to one person and just say something nice to one person, particularly if I, it looks like they're having a hard time. If I know someone's having a hard time, I'll send them a quick message or I'll just go, you know, sometimes I'll see someone at my office and they look like they're downtrodden or something like that. they just look like they're tired. And I'll go up to them and say, Hey, I just want to let you know, like you're doing great. You're killing it. Like, look at all these things you're doing. This is a hard job and you're doing it, you know? And to see somebody respond to that is like when they're not expecting it is really important. Um, and I focus on, you know, the same thing with my kids. I make a, I make a point to, to tell my kids they're smart, they're beautiful. You know, I tell my girls all the time, I'm like, man, you're just so pretty, you know? Or I try not to focus on the physical looks so sure. much all the time, but sure. I, you know, I, I do that or, or I'll say, man, you know, like you're really smart. You're, I tell my, my oldest daughter loves to cook. I'm like, you are really killing, you know, that homemade pop tart that I'm yeah. going to destroy <laughs> in a minute, you know? Um, so these are, these are things that I think I focus on and I've noticed that it, I am starting to feel more fulfilled. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, tell me this. Sum up the story. So like, so, so, and then I've got some questions for you, but yeah. sum up the story. I, I, I've been so drawn into your story that I, I don't want to like interrupt you because you're, yeah. this has been awesome. Mm-hmm. Sum up your story. Um, so as you're, as you're coming out, you start to recognize these things, you know, where are you at today? Yeah. So now, I mean, I'm still, obviously I'm still an active member of the church. Yeah. Um, I'm still trying to, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm full-time back to work. I work full-time right now because of COVID there's no, there's no trials, which drives me nuts sure. because you know, now I, it's been a couple of years since I've been in a courtroom and I'm just aching to go back yeah, and just smash ready. somebody. I'm, yeah. ready to, I'm ready to go back and do it and, uh, <laughs> and show myself that not only do I still got it, but I'm even better. Yeah. Um, I'm so much, I'm even more mentally alert than I was before. Awesome. I mean, um, you know, I can still, I can still grind with the best of them. Yeah. Um, I grind a little bit differently. Um, there are changes that I don't think are going to go away in personality sure. and the way that, um, but I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. Yeah. I, um, I've also gotten to a point where I've accepted more of myself and that is that I'm just kind of owning the Mormon misfit thing. Like I don't have to be, you know, the Peter priesthood quote unquote guy. I don't have to be that guy. Yeah. In fact, Maybe, uh, in fact, uh, my, my friend that I told you about, who is a, a transgender woman sure. actually shared with me, said, uh, Josh, if you don't fit in a box, create your own box that somebody else can fit into. Right. And so I think that what I want to do is I want to show other people there is a place at the table for you, Yeah, you know, and, uh, the savior does savior says, come as you are. You know, it doesn't expect you to be perfect. He doesn't want us to all look the same. And he doesn't say, except 
that guy. Yeah. Or that gal. Yeah. Oh, you know what? Like you wanted to see the Joker, so you're Sorry, not going to make it. Yeah. yeah. You did all these other things. You didn't go, but I knew it was in your heart to go. So yeah. you're out. But ex- exactly. Forget exactly. It. He's like, oh wait. Okay. So there was more, there was the, the tabernacle choir at temple square and there was guns and roses and you went to guns and roses. Yeah. you we don't have that here. That's not how it works. You know, that's not what he asks. And the atonement is there to fix anything, literally anything. The one thing that I remember from that talk, the impression that I got is that the savior is literally waiting there to open your spiritual prison for you. Whatever you're doing. I love it. He can, he can bind every broken heart, dry every tear, every one of them. Doesn't matter what, what it is. He can fix it. You just ha- he's there literally waiting and the, the distinct impression I got was even if I was the only imperfect person in the world, he would have still done the exact same atonement just for me. Yeah. And so that's for you too, whoever's listening. Yeah. And so, and all of this stuff, and I, and I think, I think the reason you want me to sum up the story, part of that is why I'm doing this. I feel great. I feel better than I've ever felt before. And the reason why I do this and the reason I wanted to come on here is because I think too many people look at people like LeBron James or Michael Jordan and they're like, I'm never going to be that. And you know what? Maybe you're never going to be that. But you can be Josh Edlow. <laughs> I'm nobody special. I'm, I'm a person of average intelligence before my car accident. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was not expected. I was not the, the valedictorian. I went to a community college, a state college. You know, I did it all, you know, working hard. And you may even have it harder than me. You know, there are people out there different races, sexual orientations, they're going to have it even harder than me, but you can do it. If I can do it, anybody can do it. Yeah. So, and I love that's, that's beautiful. I love what you said too, about like your friend saying, if you don't fit in someone else's box, go create your own box. And even if, even if someone else can fit into that, that's fine, but go create your own box. Yeah. And, and the story that you told is a story of success right like you have all these successes it stops this thing happens to you and all of a sudden all these things come crashing down on you and the message that you receive is act mm-hmm. act act move move if you move if you do something if you act and you put your energy towards something that's your use you're using your free agency to say this is what i want this is what i'm putting my time into and as soon as you started to do that, although at first it was a grind and it was slow and it was hard, the momentum came and the light started to shine. It got brighter and brighter and brighter and, and, and look where you're at now today. And I think that's the beauty of it all is we don't need to be anybody else. We need to act and we need to find out who we are. And as we discover and uncover ourselves, I think that's the most beautiful part of this whole life yeah. is all of a sudden we're really excited about who we are and what yeah. we're doing. And, 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 and that then all of a sudden we want to reach into someone else's heart and help them understand the same thing. Yeah. I, I think that one thing that somebody said, and I think it's applicable even to the gospel. When I first started lifting weights, there was a bodybuilder guy who kind of befriended me. And, uh, and I was like, man, I'm so weak. You know, this is lame. I'm, you know, look at you and look at me. And he's like, Hey man, we're not in a competition. Yeah. Like you, you are in, you're not in a competition with anyone but yourself. Yeah. If that's what you can do, just get a little bit better. He's like, I've been doing this for years. Yeah, I was going to say. And so it's the same way spiritually, right? Like we're not in a competition with the relief society president or the bishop or anybody else. You're in a competition with yourself to do what you are going to do. 
right? So, so, uh, you know, just focus on that. And the other thing is, is I've noticed that when I'm doing that, I don't have time to judge anybody else. Totally. You know, because I got so much stuff to still work on. I mean, I'm, this is a, a lifelong work in progress. I don't feel that, um, that feeling of what's next anymore because it's like, this is going to take forever. Yep. You know, it's never going to end. Yep. And so, um, yeah, I think it's just, it's, uh, it's, it, it's so interesting when I look back, my patriarchal blessing said, uh, one day, and I know we're supposed to talk about that, but whatever we're talking about, we don't, <laughs> we don't do all the right, the things we're supposed hey, to no do. No one's judging you. Man. Yeah. Don't judge me. <laughs> so, um, uh, it said one day I would look back on my life and realize the Lord was, was leading on my footsteps and that everything was overruled for my best good happened. I can look back on every trial I've ever had. And it, sometimes it took me like a decade after to look back and go, wow, that really worked out the way it was supposed to. Thank goodness that happened, you know? And, uh, I don't know necessarily, and I'm just saying this so people know that I'm, I'm not, this is not like you know, it's not a perfect story. I still sometimes wonder what would have happened if that had never happened. Sure. Um, you know, I don't know. Yeah. This is the cards I was, I was dealt, but, um, I'm thinking that at some point I'm going to look back and go, wow. Yeah. Thank goodness that happened. Yeah. You know, and it may be a, maybe 20 years, but I want, I think it'll, that's the way it's going. I think, uh, Josh, I honestly think, um, you're already doing that. I mean, you've already recognized in yourself the, that there's some amazing things that have unfolded for you in your life, some things that have happened to you, some things that you've chosen to do. Um, and, and look at what you're doing now is you're, you're turning around and trying to give that to others. Mm -hmm. And it's not to say, wow, look at me, look at my story, look where I'm at. Mm -hmm. Um, you're trying to help people understand that like, Hey, don't quit. Hey, don't give up. Like hang on. Even if all you can do is hang on just for a day, sleep that day away, whatever you got to do to make it to the next day. Let's, let's, let's just get a little better every day at a time, but you can do it. And that's the important thing. And, you know, I, I, I think that's, that's, that's the story, right? That's what Christ wants is why do you, why do we think he went to where the, the most poor marginalized groups were? Why did he go to the addicts, the, um, yeah, those that were poor and they were in poverty and stuck in these places. Why did he go to them? Because he wanted to help them believe. He wanted them to believe in themselves that they could get out, that there was more for them, that they could choose for themselves to act and get out of these places because that's true. Whereas the Sadducees and Pharisees who were already doing their things, he's going to them and he's saying, stop judging everybody. That's not your job. You're not here to judge people. You're here to lift people. If you're in places where you, where, where you don't, aren't dealing with all these things there, you're dealing with other things. Stop judging, show up for them and help them out, right? That's what Christ did. And now that you've kind of gotten this customized curriculum in your life that you're dealing, that, that, not dealing with, but that you've been given and gifted, um, look at what you're doing now. You're turning around and, and, and you recognize that you've been blessed and, and you're trying to help another out there. And I think that's the whole point. Um, so well said, and, and, and again, I will come back to some of these things, but I want to go through just a few things that really touched me while you were talking. I, I think there's some principles that you taught very well. Um, you taught the gospel today, the gospel of Jesus Christ a lot in just your story. And I think that's a, that's a really cool thing. And maybe that's why he has us go through some of the things that we do go through. Right. So we can help people understand his atonement for us better. 
Um, one of the things that really stood out to me though, is, um, your anger. And it may not be in the way that you're thinking I'm going to take this, but <clears throat> what well, that was powerful. Um, you're, you're in this dark spot from what I gather in your story, probably the hardest, darkest spot that you're in. Mm-hmm. You're laying in bed and you say a prayer and it's not the cookie cutter type of prayer. It's I'm angry at God. Mm-hmm. And you're angry and you, you direct, you don't, you don't just talk, uh, talk to God in an angry manner, but you're directing your anger at him. Mm -hmm. I, there is something about that to me that is so beautiful because that's, that's your heart. And, and to me, what you're doing in those moments is you're offering your, you're offering your heart to God. Mm -hmm. What, tell me, tell me what, um, if you can remember back to that prayer and, and then the, that evening and then that next morning, like what you said, you said you felt like you felt to give you a big bear hug. What did you, how did you feel after you released that energy or that anger directed to him? Um, I slept, you know, cause it was late night. I'd, I'd been sitting up and you know, I had a headache. Uh, I mean that headache went, never went away. You know, and it was a constant reminder of what was going on. And it's interesting what you said there, because before that I had, I had been angry, you know, there were, you asked me earlier, was I, was I angry at the world or was I angry at God? You know, there were certain aspects of it. Like, for example, the person who hit me in the car, right? Like she didn't mean to do it. She was a very nice lady. Yeah. I mean, she was very sympath- apologetic after the fact. I've never seen her since, you know, um, but, uh, I couldn't help but be angry at her, even though she didn't mean it. Sure. You know, it's not like she forced, she, I'm going to run that guy over. Sure. You know, um, but I couldn't help but be mad at her. Um, you know, angry family members, you know, because um, they had pushed me in certain ways to make certain decisions that I felt got me on that freeway. Um, you know, angry at just the world and just my life, you know, like, look at this. I've got all these things and it's just, garbage you know it's just all garbage it could just light it all on fire right now and it, it wouldn't matter and so kind of giving that away you know it's kind of part of what the atonement is i guess and i've never really thought about it that way but giving that away and just saying here this is yours you know um i don't know what to do with it that i think there was uh, that was part of the healing process probably big release i <clears throat> i've i've we, we talk about how sometimes we need to pray to God, like what, like the spirit we're supposed to be in and, and it needs to be peaceful and put ourselves in almost like a meditative state. And that's not just in, in our church, but that's like how you think of prayer, right? Mm-hmm. That we need to be in a holy place to talk to our holy heavenly father or holy God. Um, I, I, I definitely would challenge that idea. Um, I, have learned in my life and, and hearing your story and feeling the spirit as you're talking about that specific experience. When, when we get in our darkest moments, just like you were with our understanding of heavenly father, and we think we're, we're understanding that he's an honest and heavenly father beginning from end. We, we talk about in Christianity how the battle's already been won. Mm-hmm. So we know God knows, right? Mm-hmm. 
he loves all of his children perfectly. Well, if he loves us perfectly, then he has to know quite a bit about us to know like where the pieces need to be for the battle to be won already. So when you're in your darkest hours and you're a Christian and you believe you're, you get angry and, and where do you direct that anger? Well, you you start to say why, well, a why to me isn't, is what it's basically doing is saying, where are you? You know, I'm trying to check the boxes, trying to do what's right in my life. I'm trying to do all the things that you've asked me to do to receive the promises that, that, that are there and I'm not seeing them. And now these hard things are happening and where the heck are you? And I don't know that I believe you, but I'm still talking to you because I believe you and you get angry. And then all of a sudden, and I've noticed this in my own life because I've, I've gone through this, there's a release there's a relief and just like you i felt a big hug from heavenly father and and i just i think this is something that's important to talk about because i don't think we understand as a parent as a perfect parent perfect everything's perfect first and foremost our heavenly father got angry a couple times mm-hmm. i mean I don't know if earthquakes after his son was crucified, earthquakes, fires, tempest, storms, people were destroyed, flooding the earth and killing a lot of your own children. I mean, I don't know if he was angry or if that was just like an accident, right? right? Or I cried so much I filled the whole world. No, but it was perfect and there was reasons for it. I understand that. But if if we don't think for a second that a perfect parent would want the child they love so much to come to them even in their angriest moments, even if it was directed at them, that's wrong. Mm -hmm. I would love, if my son or my daughter is feeling broken and just hates the world and and they're rethinking everything and lost, I would be honored to have them come yell and scream at me about all their frustrations and, and, and things. And I would shut my mouth. I'd listen. And then I would give them a huge bear hug at the end. Um, I think, I think Josh, that, 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 um, is a powerful witness, um, of who our heavenly father is. He loves us unconditionally. And that means take your anger when you're in those angriest moments, take it to him. Don't just walk away. Don't just turn your back on the idea. Take it to him. Even if you have to direct it at him, you're not going to hurt him. You can't, you can't change him. Yeah. I don't think there's anything you're ever going to say to God that he hasn't heard before. Amen. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's so interesting that you, you bring all that up. I'm just, uh, I had a bishop one time, he gave a talk and when I was a single, a young single adult and he said, um, you know, a lot, a lot of the times I have people come into my office and say, I just don't feel as close to God as I used to. And he said, my answer is always the same. And I offer the same answer to you who moved. Right. I mean, he's always there. I mean, like I said, I, I had, when I was writing that talk, I remember having in my head a vision of the savior, just sitting there outside of prison with a key just ready. I'm ready to do ready it. Ready to go. You just call, you just call my name and I'm there, you know? And, uh, I felt that and it doesn't always come right away and it doesn't mean you're not going to have problems. Look, you know, I'm, I'm 38 or 39 now, <laughs> 39 years young. And I got at, at least another 39 more. I hope uh, this is not the last time I'm going to have a problem. 
You know, I, I recognize that, but I think I've learned a little bit more. And I think with every trial, I learn a little bit more. You're more equipped. Hey, you know what? I'm going to get through this. And when I get through this, it's going to be better. Absolutely. Um, I want to talk a little bit more about acting. Mm-hmm. I loved that part. And, and I really felt when you shared that, you know, you, when you were talking about acting and that message you got back from that prayer, that's a, that's an important principle to talk about. And, and I think sometimes we allow ourselves to, uh, succumb to the idea that, that we're, we're, we're just kind of dealing with all the circumstances in our lives and certain people are born into better circumstances or worse than us. And so we kind of face those battles and, and whatever. Um, but acting free agency, um, the one thing that we truly own that belongs to us, our, our will and our ability to choose when you, when you got that message from God about acting, what, what caused you to really take that to heart and, and, and use that and move with that, with that message to you? Well, I don't think I've ever had an issue really with acting, you know, I mean, like I said, I mean, I, I think you, you mentioned earlier and maybe a little off of a tangent, you mentioned earlier that God is perfect. And so he puts even the negative things in your, in your path to help you. Right. I don't think it was a coincidence that every step of the way someone told me I couldn't do something right. Because that you. just motivated me. Cause if someone told me I couldn't do it, I'd be like, Oh yeah, well I'm going to do it and then I'm going to laugh in your face. You know what I mean? And so, so I think that the question for me when that happened was, okay, well where, you know, I, it was almost an exacerbation for me when he said, when I felt that act, Ugh, okay, well, everything's out of control. So where am I supposed to act? Like, show me where I don't know. And that's when the, the weight thing popped up. I mean, who would have thought that maybe, I don't know, maybe doctors would have thought that if I lost weight, that that would be a catalyst for everything else to kind of come back into perspective. It's amazing. And, and that's not to say, and understand, like I went to a, um, uh, a seminar that Elder Bednar gave for Elders Quorum presidents and bishops when I was in Elders Quorum. And he described, someone asked him about time management. Like, how do you manage your time? And he goes, there's no such thing as time management. He goes, you seen those jugglers with the plates on the sticks? He's like, that's exactly what life is like. Sometimes just something needs a spin. You know, you just have to f- figure it out. You're spinning them all and something needs a spin so it doesn't crash. And I think that was kind of, it you know my my uh my physical health needed a spin so that i could realize yes i do still have control yes i am not going to fail you know yes i there are still things that i can change it's not out of your hands it's not out of my hands and then as all those things started happening i started thinking more positively and uh, in fact, I, ch- I changed my doctor as soon as, <laughs> as soon as that happened, it started feeling better. I'm like, you know what? This guy doesn't know what he's talking yeah. about. I'm going to someone else. Yeah. And I went to someone else and you know, it, they helped. Were, it helped. You were yeah. acting. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it, doors open when you act yeah. in whatever effort you can put forth. If you yeah. act mm-hmm. and you do the best you can, doors will open. Amen to that. Um, tell, so, so what I thought find is fascinating about that moment of you, you said something about how there's certain things you just can't control. Mm-hmm. But there's, there's a lot of things that you can control. And instead of focusing on all those things that you can't control that are happening to you, you started to look at all the things that you could control. What I'm interested in, though, is a lot of us do that. But when you're in these dark moments that seem so overwhelming, like self-esteem might be gone, 
Um, you're just in a really bad place. It's hard to actually take, it's, it's hard to recognize that because you're almost kind of saying, doing the whole woe is me thing. Like everybody has it better than me. I'm in a bad place. Uh, people just don't understand me. They don't get it. They don't know who I am. I'm trying the best I can and blah, 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 blah. Things just aren't working out for me. What, what did you do? Um, if, if you can think back to that time, like what, what happened surrounding that moment where you were able to actually like mentally recognize that and then make the decision to say, okay, so I can't control these things, but here's the ones that I can. I need to act on those things. So I, what, I'm sorry. So tell me what your question exactly is. So my question is like, how did you get to the point where you were able to actually recognize that? Because I think in our yeah. darkest moments, mm -hmm. that's a hard thing to do. Yeah, yeah. It was a lot of self-reflection, you know, looking back. Because I, when I heard that first, I was like, man, I can't control anything. That was the first thought. Like, what can I control? My job is is out of whack. You know, my relationships are out of whack. My, my, uh, uh, my church, my faith is out of whack. Sure. Where am I supposed to do it? And, and that's kind of where it came with a, um, uh, I was like, let's just start really small, like little, little things, you know, and, uh, and they can eventually become big things. You know, I would never expected, I never expected that I would be like a gym rat, you know, where I would be at the gym where people would know who I am and I would be consistent for this long. And there were other little things I did too, that I noticed about myself. Cause the hardest thing when it comes to, uh, things like, well, anything. I think when you're when you're not, a, I've never really been super less active or anything. Sure. But like, I think the hardest thing for a lot of less actives is just the first step of going back. Same thing with the gym. Like, I, this is not my first time trying to lose weight. You know, I had tried a bunch of times, and I would try for a week or two weeks or a month, maybe even two, and then it kind of fall away. I noticed that I was like, well, you know. That Cal Fit gym, California Family Fitness, which is a huge gym in California you know, that's 15 minutes away. I can think about a lot of things in 15 minutes to convince me not to go. Sure. But there's one right down the street that's a little bit smaller. It's about two minutes away. I'm going to go to that one. So I don't have the time to think. Make it easy. It's just right there, right back. You know, I don't have a pool and a basketball court, but that's fine. You know, that's not what I need. So, you know, just doing little things like that. Like I said, my first thought was, I was like, you know, cause my back was still jacked up. So I'm like, you know, maybe I'll do 10 minutes on an elliptical. That's better than nothing. Right. I, let's do some, some bench press. It's better than nothing. And then it just kind of snowballed to that. It's, it's, these are all line upon line, precept upon precept things. It's not, it's just the, the, uh, you've always heard all those cliche things like the journey of a thousand miles starts with a single step. Just take the first step. Yeah. I think, I think that's the hardest part. Taking that first step. You know, you know, towards anything, you know, it's pretty wise that you, you look, even you even looked at the, the distances of the gyms that you could have gone to. Well, here's the popular one that's 15 minutes away. And here's a little one down the street. That's two, but you're smart enough to kind of make it a controllable thing to you. Mm -hmm. If I get up and if I say to myself, I'm going to work out in the morning. So I get up, set my alarm clock and I, I push myself first. You got to pass that alarm clock, Yeah. but you get past that and you get your clothes on and your shoes tied Jim's two minutes away. It's pretty hard at that point to say, I'm not going to go today. Yeah. So you make it, you kind of put parameters around things. You do the things that you know you can do. Yeah. Very smart. Man. Yeah. Well, that, and that was the other thing I remember thinking, cause before I would go to the gym after work Yeah. and I was like, you know what? There's a lot of things I can think about during the day <laughs> that I need to do in the meet in the, uh, you know, in the evening. And I was like, listen, when my kids are around, like I've got to, you know, I'm busy. Yeah. So I got to go before they wake up. Yep. 
you know, so that's why I, you know, right now, I mean, it's, it's insane, but I get up at four 30 in the morning to go to the gym. Yeah. I'm there by five. Yeah. I'm out by seven, seven 30 and it's right at time for them to get ready and start. Well, now it's homeschool, but like, you know, COVID school. But that's, that's a really good point too, because when you go after work, you've got so much loaded on your mind that you're almost, you know, it, it, that'd be a harder thing to really get going on. So yeah. very and wise. It's, and it's done. Yeah. You don't have to think about it again. Yep. It starts your day off great. You get all the endorphins out. Any That's another thing is all of the stuff, you know, life is full of reasons to be upset. Sure. You can find something every day. But you can go to the gym and you can pound that out. You can use that as motivation. There have been times when I've been angry and gone to the gym and took it out on some on some weights. You know what I mean? And and it feels great. Yeah. It's a better workout. You release it, you know, right? You release, you release it there. Release it. Yep. I love it. And so so acting, but put put give yourself some choices that are easier to make think yeah. of think of how you're going to act and make those action steps easier yeah. for you because yeah. i think that's a really good way to really get into your agency and, and making sure that you're owning yourself yeah. right yeah make it easier on yourself last question i want to talk i, I kind of want to have a little discussion i've got two more questions but this is the last one um i want to have a little discussion about culture mm. for a second yeah. i think that's very important to talk about yeah. and and one of the things that it actually kind of came to mind while you were talking josh um, I, as you were telling your story, I, culture is something we all deal with. Yeah. It's definitely something that in the LDS church it shines, right? Like people talk about culture a lot as being, I don't think a lot of people leave the church because of doctrine. I think yeah. a lot of people leave the church because of culture, yeah. but I think culture falls in line with everything that you decide to do in your life, whether it's at, with academics, whether it's your job, your career, culture is a part of everything that we do. And we can, we can praise culture or we can beat culture down. Um, as I was listening to you and I, and in my mind, I'm kind of going, there are some culture things in, within the church that are phenomenal, that are amazing gifts, blessings. There are also some things that are very hurtful and maybe have caused some people to walk away for sure. We know that. And also probably caused some people not to join the church, not because of the doctrines, but because of the culture. But as I'm, as I'm listening to you tell your story, it, it kind of dawned on me. I don't feel like personally I've ever walked into the church and had someone point the finger at me and go, you don't fit in here. You don't belong. Go home. But for some reason in my mind, those things have come into my mind and my heart before, especially after years of act inactivity when I didn't stop believing, but my lifestyle was not, you know, where it needed to be. And I kept myself away as I came back. Nobody pointed the finger at me and, and laughed or scoffed or whatever. I don't even think people recognized it. And that was interesting to me is that thought of no one really noticed as soon as I started telling people my story and they started recognizing what I'd been through, they wrapped their arms around me. I got nothing but love from that. People want to embrace that. But what I thought about as you told your story, what really stood out to me and, and to me is a powerful thought is God in your life slowed you down. He kind of put the brakes on in your life a little bit. You were working 70 hours a week. Um, I mean, you were, you were doing this nonprofit. You're coaching your son's basketball team. Those are all good things in and of themselves. There's nothing harmful about doing those things. But sometimes we get going so fast and we engage ourselves so much and that becomes our identity, right? I think, 
I think a lot of times as people who provide for families, male or female, that's a lot of the focus. You know, we think about the money we're bringing in. We, 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 we have this comparison idea or whatever, and even if it's not that, but we're moving so fast that we just don't stop and slow down and really pay, pay attention to what really matters and what's really important. And sometimes I wonder if that affects the kind of culture that we're bringing in to the church or to our lives. Um, are we slowing down enough to pay attention to what's really happening around us? And when we find those people who don't feel like they fit in because they're everywhere, yeah. whether it's a church building or whether it's a gym, I mean, right. There's, there's people that walk into a gym every day that are going, Holy crap, you, right? Dude, you're way more massive than me. I'm sure a lot of people walked in, seen somebody like that and gone, I'm never stepping foot in there again. Yeah. It's culture. Yeah. But are we smart enough? Are we wise enough? Are we slowed down enough and in tune enough to pay attention to those people who are suffering? Yeah. Because the people that are suffering, when they walk away, if we don't reach out to them in love, we miss them. We miss that opportunity. And they're going to, of course, turn around and go, Nobody cares about me in that place. Yeah. So, so there's a couple of things that come to mind when you're talking about that. Sure. And I'll, I'll share two different things. That same Elder Bednar uh, seminar I went to, there was a Q&A session, and one other person asked, what keeps you up at night? And I've, I'll never forget what he said, and I'm paraphrasing. It wasn't an exact quote. But he said, I am concerned about the growth of the church in Africa being choked out by the Western traditions of our church. And then he said, if there's anything that's going to destroy our church, it is the traditions of the church that will do it. And I thought, huh, that's really interesting. And the other thing that I found, uh, look, I was in that. I mean, it took a friend of mine sharing his personal story, just like you sharing your story. People start wrapping your arms around you or their arms around you. It took one of my best friends in the world to share my, his story with me for me to realize that I was wrong about generally people who were leaving the church, right? That it's not necessarily always. Sometimes it is. Yeah. They're doing something that they shouldn't. There's something in the culture that is also causing some of that, right? That pe- some people are going off and doing some some pretty pretty bad things. But at the same time, there's also something in our culture that demonizes people for having struggles. Sure. I think one of the gifts that I have received from all of this is I have a greater empathy now for people who struggle with faith. And also I recognize now more than ever that every single person has a war they're fighting in their own mind <laughs> that I'll never know about. <clears throat> I, like, I, I, I don't know how many people really knew how hard it was. And it can, it can still be hard. You know, life is hard all the time. The person in the grocery store next to you, who knows what they're going through? You know, the, the quote unquote Karens of the world who are becoming unhinged. Do you have any idea? I, I think that's derogatory. You know, you have no idea. And, and yeah, they're, they're acting inappropriately, but you have no idea what they're going through or what, you know, the African-American person is going through. You know, as a white person, I have no idea. I have no idea. I have, I'll never know what a person who suffers, who, who has same gender attraction or who, who, who's dealing with that in a heterosexual central world. I'll never know what they have to deal with that or what somebody who feels transgendered has to deal with. I'm never going to know. 
but they may never know what it's like to suffer from a mild traumatic brain injury. So we need to all cut each other a little slack. Yeah. You know, we all need to realize that we're all fighting something. And if we all just sat down and learned about each other, I think it would be a lot more love in the world. That's beautiful. Mercy and grace comes yeah. to mind when you say that. Yeah. Mercy and grace. And Josh, I man, I, you answered the last question I, I ask everybody is what's the gift you've been given? And I think you just knocked it out of the park right there. Yeah. So um, thanks for being here. Thanks for being on the show. And Thanks for your thanks for your witness um, and and testimony of of you know this life's experience that you've gone through and, and and how the challenge is real, right? The challenge is real and we all go through it and we need to extend our arms, be like the Savior in any way we can where we're waiting outside people's prisoners' door with the key ready to go. As soon as they're ready to to move, we're there. We've got our arms wrapped around them, right? And I think I think that's a that's an incredible thing that, that you talked about there. Um, yeah. I anything else? In, is there anything else you want to add to that, or just is there any last note you want to you know leave leave us with? Yeah, there is. Um, as whether you are a member of our church or not, whether you are a Christian or not. There's, we're all, we all have the ability to become warriors. And I don't know if anyone, if you've ever heard the warrior ethos, but I've really, I've really taken to that. And this is what it says. It says, I will always place the mission first. I will never accept defeat. I will never quit. I will never leave a fallen comrade. And so my message to you is anybody out there who's listening to this, don't accept defeat. You never fail if you never quit and if you see somebody who's fallen pick them up and that's it that is the gospel don't quit keep trying and don't leave your comrades behind josh edlow my brother and my friend thanks for being here with us today thank you it's always good to see you man that was awesome thank you for tuning in to come towards delight the podcast i truly hope you enjoyed today's show I would love to hear your feedback. You can subscribe to this podcast and leave a review on Apple Podcast or any podcast platform you use. If you or someone you know has a delightful story to share that I need to talk to, please email me at come towards delight at gmail.com.